0: The following sermon is from Christ Church, Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. So my, my son, Julian, is on the front row. He's, he's regularly on the front row, and he's a big fan of numbers. In fact, he wanted a calculator for his birthday. And uh, he has an insatiable curiosity and is always asking questions about the nature of things in their extremities, how long, how deep how far, how fast. How fast is a big one right now, isn't it, bud? He noticed recently that the speedometer on my truck goes to 120 miles an hour, and so he thinks that's how fast my truck can go, and he's regularly asking me to take him to the limit. Which was cool until a few days later, he noticed that mommy's speedometer went to 140, and now she's the coolest thing ever, you know? We had to put our car in the shop for uh, maintenance, and they gave us a loaner car, and that car, the speedometer went to 180, and he about lost his mind. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying to explain to him that it's really about where that needle lands in the middle, then then the end. So we've had a lot of these conversations about how big and how long and how fast things are, and so... As he's been learning his numbers, 1 to 10, and then counting by tens, he got really fascinated with the number 100 for a while, and he would begin to see the number 100 everywhere that he went, and he would point it out. And so we'd be talking about how you can count past 100 and go to 1,000 and 10,000 and 100,000 and a 1,000,000. And so he just kept asking me about bigger and bigger and bigger numbers until finally I had to explain to him the concept of Infinity infinity. What number is that, dad? Well, it's not a number. It's a concept. It's the idea that the numbers keep going and going and going. You can never run out of numbers. It's just a matter of how you call them and how you count them. And so infinity. And so everything now is, is it a hundred? Is it a thousand? Is it a million? Is it Google? Yeah, we went there. (laughs) Google is one with a hundred zeros. I don't know if you know that. That's where Google got its name. But infinity. And the real move of God that we celebrate around Christmas with God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, the Son of God, being born in Bethlehem as a fulfillment of hundreds of very detailed and specific Old Testament prophecies is a picture of and an expression of God's limitless love for the world. And not just the world in general of which you happen to be a part, but of God's limitless love For you. Now, those of us who are Jesus followers, who maybe grew up in church and prayed a certain prayer and were baptized and read our Bible every day and pray regularly, we have a concept of this and we're regularly seeking to be filled with more of it, to really understand God and connect with Him and and sense His love for us. But I know at Christmas time, especially nowadays, there are so many people who do not have a concept of God's love for them and what the expression of Christmas is all about. In fact, The facts of God's existence are debated. The historicity of Jesus is debated. The the debates about theology and doctrine are debated. None of those things really matter. But that you know the God who made you and loves you infinitely matters. Can I get amen? amen? And so I want to take just a little bit of time this afternoon to consider just how long God's been working this plan of bringing salvation to the world and specifically to you and what that entails, I wanna think for just a minute about how far he came. And I want you to consider maybe before we leave today, how powerful is Jesus to save and deliver and establish and confirm and to forgive and to empower and to set free. And I wonder if you would Think with me just for a moment and ask the question. You may know a lot of things about God. You're here. You may know some people who know him, but do you know him? Maybe you don't know him fully. I don't. He surprises me all the time. But you can know him truly. And so look with me at Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. This is a prophecy spoken through God's prophet Isaiah about 600 years before Jesus was born. And here's what it says, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We could contemplate those names and their meaning forever forever. But it continues, verse seven, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And it is the zeal or the passion, the heart of the Lord of hosts who will do this. This prophetic utterance was tucked into the hearts of faithful Israelites for centuries through exile and oppression It was the epitome of messianic hope, and it was fulfilled and revealed with an angelic announcement to certain shepherds upon the birth of Jesus, and Luke chapter 2 records that for us. Um, If you are going to live stream the service tomorrow, I've preached a sermon. I recorded new content for you. I'm not running a rerun. Aren't you grateful? And so you can tune in at your leisure, but I get a little deeper into Luke chapter 2, but here's what it says. In The same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Apparently getting a glimpse into the spiritual realm and being confronted by an angelic being is quite terrifying. And so the shepherds were filled with great fear and yet the angel said to them, verse 10, fear not with a smile on his face for behold, I bring you, Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Why? For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, which if you tune in tomorrow morning, you'll hear is something akin to you will find a baby wrapped in band-aids and laying in a dog bowl. Is that him? That's definitely him. Think about just how long God has been planning and how specifically he has fulfilled his purpose to make you his own forever. Before the foundation of the world, you're chosen in Christ to be recipients of God's great love, objects of his great love, and to exist in his perfection forever. That is where those deep-seated desires for success and purpose and value and companionship and love and dignity come from. You were made by God, for God, and he has been working long and hard to make a way for you to be his again. Isn't it great news? So how long? Oh, For eternity past, infinity that way and that way so that you could be his. And consider how far, I love this scene where heaven breaks into earth and the humility of Jesus born to these parents in this city, in these conditions. And yet when the angelic host came, he did not go to Herod. He did not go to Caesar. He did not go to the high priest, but he revealed this good news of great joy for all people to shepherds who were out in a field. And this is where heaven meets earth. And aren't you grateful? Because I think we have a whole lot more in common with shepherds than kings. Can I get amen? amen? And yet God wants to reveal his great love and his power to you as well. How long, how far, how powerful? The gospels are filled with stories about Jesus, who he was, what he did. And all of these stories work together to present his true nature to the world. He's leading his disciples and the people of first century Palestine and the religious leaders into an experience of who he is. And so he does that in a number of different ways. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible, you may be familiar with it, it's in Mark chapter four. You get this picture of Jesus in his humanity and his, in his divinity, his power, Mark chapter four. This is the scene where Jesus gets in the boat with the disciples to cross the sea and a great storm happens upon them. Now, these are fishermen, so they are familiar with storms, and yet this one is especially terrifying, and they fear for their lives. Look at Mark 4, 38. It's on the screen. But Jesus, during the storm, was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him, said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, consider for a moment. Psalm 121 tells us that The Lord of Israel, the Lord of hosts, neither sleeps nor slumbers. In his divinity, God is not weak, does not require a nap. Aren't you glad? And yet he became like us and became one of us. And in his experience of becoming the perfect man so that in him we could be forgiven and made righteous, he is expressing this human experience and falling asleep in the boat. Now think about the conclusion that the disciples come to with the question they ask. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? I know that there's probably a lot of women in this room who have looked at a sleeping husband and thought, do you care? (sighs) Isn't it amazing our uncanny ability men to fall asleep right after an argument has not yet finished? And isn't the question always, do you care? You're moving so quickly to incapacity. And this is a natural question. And I think it's a question all of us face in a world where things are not just and they're not perfect and they're not righteous and they're not yet complete and we look around and we know that there's a God who is and who is powerful and omnipotent and good and so we say, why are you not intervening? I feel in my own spirit I would do things differently if I were in your position and so we can come to the conclusion based on what we see, do you care that we are perishing? And yet the central revelation of the whole Bible in the person of Jesus is this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Do you think God cares that you're perishing? The answer is absolutely yes. And Jesus puts that on display. He awoke, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great Calm. Imagine that at his word, nature responds and what was a raging storm goes instant still. And that was super spooky for the disciples. <laughs> and he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Reminds me of the scene from the Princess Bride where indigo is sword fighting the man in black you are wonderful you know and he says who are you knowing of consequence i must know get used to disappointment right that's the scene who are you what? and the disciples had a who are you moment with jesus listen i don't know if you've ever experienced the delivering power of jesus if you've ever had an impossible prayer answered, if you've ever seen his miraculous intervention. But I'm telling you that the Jesus who is has authority to speak to the wind and the waves, peace, be still, and they obey. And he is the Jesus that you want in your boat. Jesus said, why are you so afraid? My answer is, "Uh, duh, (laughs) we're about to die in this storm. Why are we so afraid? But you don't have to be afraid if you've got Jesus in your boat. Can I get amen? As long as he's on your side, as long as he's with you, there is nothing that you can't go through and there's nothing that you won't be saved from because he does, in fact, care that we're perishing and he's doing everything necessary that we might be saved. More powerful than speaking peace be still to the wind and the waves, he was able to say, not my will, but your will be done and take our place on a cross of wood and die to death so that we might live to life. My question is, do you know him? Do you know him? Julian asks a lot of questions about how far and how long and how fast. He asks questions about fire. That's his new thing. How sharp are knives? It's just giving me palpitations just thinking about all of his questions. The questions he's starting to ask now, though, are how do I? How do I? And the answer is not till you're 10, kid. That's how. <laughs> but how do I? and i want to direct your attention to john chapter 17 verses 1 to 3 you know john 3:16 that god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever and so you see this is a thing god's doing for everyone the world but it's offered universally but specifically to whoever it requires you to make a decision. It requires you to evaluate this truth claim. and it, it involves you making a decision in your mind of who you are going to trust. And so how, how do I put my trust in the God who did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him? And in John chapter 17, after he had delivered his kind of final address to his disciples and in preceding his betrayal, his kangaroo court and his execution, Jesus praised this prayer. Says in verse one, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh. This is God's good world. He made it. Things may lie under the power of the enemy or evil people, but this planet and all its inhabitants belong to God, and Jesus has purchased back humanity for himself, and he has authority over all flesh isn't that great news he prays this way since you have given him authority over all flesh listen to give eternal life to all whom you have given him and this is eternal life that they know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent you know him you know him. Some of you are like, yes, I talked to him this morning. Do you legitimately know them? You ever have anybody ask you, hey, you grew up in such and such a town or you went to such and such a school. Do you know this person? And you recognize that name, but you have never been introduced to that person. You ever had that experience? And you say something like, I know of him, or we have mutual friends, or yes, she went to my college or whatever, but I don't know them But there is that moment of first introductions when you say, I want you to meet my friend. And now you may not know that person fully, but certainly after that introduction has been made, you know that person truly. It's very simple. My question for you is, do you know this Jesus truly? He is the supernatural, beyond time, space, eternal with the Father, Son of God. He is everywhere, equally present. He will return in physical form to judge the living and the dead and to establish an unending kingdom. He wants you in it. And my question is, have you been introduced to him? And if you have not this Christmas, I would love for you to meet my friend, Jesus. He'll change your life forever. He wants to infuse your life with peace. He's the prince of peace. He speaks over the storm in your life. Peace, be still. This eternal life, knowing him, means that you have peace with God, that you are reconciled to him, that he is no longer a judge who you will face. He is a father that you can turn to. It means you will have peace on the inside of you. You will have your conscience cleansed. You will be made whole. God's spirit will dwell on the inside of you. To know him is to know peace. And I wonder, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you experience it? When you have met Jesus, He replaces your lesser joys with eternal joy. He replaces your silly hopes for an unknown future with a solid, confident, not yet seen, but fully determined hope. There is is nothing better in this life than experiencing a relationship with Jesus. So, how do I get to know Him? It's amazing how he does this. He does it for every one of us. Maybe you're here and you can remember back to your story. Last Sunday, Tiffany was addressing all of us and she was saying to remember the moment you put your trust in Jesus. Remember the moment when you turned over the lordship of your life to him. Remember the moment when you acknowledged that he is the rightful king, that he is God, that he is your savior. And you said, listen, all I bring to this relationship is your need, but I am sensing your call and I'm remembering your love. And so I'm coming to you and I'm saying, take my life, make me whole. So many of us in this room share that common experience and bringing back to that moment is the first moment you met him and he became yours and you became his. And I want nothing more than for every single person who's present here tonight to be able to say, maybe even tonight, that you know him and that you have eternal life. In just a moment, the kids are gonna come sing their second song and it's beautiful. It's gonna minister to your, to your heart. It's just a reflection on who Jesus is, prince of peace, healer of men. It, it, it's in a poetic way, it brings us back to this moment of when God left heaven and came into earth so that we may be one with God again through faith in Jesus. It's beautiful. And after that, we're gonna sing together with the kids Silent Night. And during Silent Night, we're all gonna take out our candles and we're gonna hold our candles. It's in a beautiful picture and it's, it's warming to our senses. And it, the whole picture is just, just beautiful. Beautiful. But part of the reason we do this is because in John 8, in verse 12, Jesus spoke to a crowd, and here's what he said to them. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Listen, you were not made figure this all out on your own you were not made to make your own path to create your own destiny you don't have the capacity to navigate life and relationships to an end that will bring you joy but Jesus does and he's not telling you everywhere he's going to take you but he is telling you how to get to know him and how to be his and it's very simple follow me I had this conversation with Julian all the time. Stay right next to dad. Hold my hand, we're in a parking lot. <laughs> hey kids, sometimes I call them my little ducklings, all four of them in a row. Set up from height, tallest to shortest. Follow me, follow me. Tomorrow's Christmas, we've got a lot of wonderful things planned, I'm sure. But every single day, you wake up to a God who's been awake all night watching over you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to speak to you through his word and by His spirit. He wants to make you a part of something that lasts forever. He wants to put you into a family. And he's, ask, he's asking you and inviting you tonight. And I'm speaking to you, if you're not a Jesus follower already, especially, to follow him. He wants to transfer you out of the kingdom of darkness. Man, before I started following Jesus, I was just fumbling through the world trying to find hope and life and success and happiness like looking for something in a dark house hands on one thing at a time knocking stuff over and yet he is the one who shines light onto everything he's the one that makes everything clear and visible he's the one you want in your boat during the storm and he's the one who bridged heaven and came to earth so that you might know something of God's incalculable love, its depth, its breadth, its height, its length. And more than that, to know the love of Christ personally, intimately, for you. He died for you. He did an amazing work that affects everyone, but he lived and he died and he was raised for you he is speaking even now through these words to you and he is after you. And I wonder if you would just receive the gift, the Christmas gift that he wants you to have. Eternal life in his name, knowing the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. He wants to give you the light of life. And I'd love to just lead us in a prayer as the kids start to fill the room. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I pray for every one of us. Lord, that we would experience something of your nearness in this moment and your love. God, that that while it may not make sense and while we may not be able to get our heads around it completely, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make it known to us and make it real. God, I pray for those in my hearing who have not received your gracious gift of eternal life in Jesus, God, I pray that, I pray that they would, with open hands and an open heart, give their life into Your hands, and receive Your gift of life into theirs. God, it's a simple prayer. We've all prayed it. Who are following Jesus? I recognize that I am in need of a savior and Jesus is that savior. That I'm in need of forgiveness and in Jesus we have forgiveness. That I have need for repurpose and transformation and have that in Jesus. So we believe in our hearts that he is Lord. Confess with our mouths that God raised him from the dead and we then and therefore are saved. God, as you see every human heart and every human experience, God, you know the sincerity of belief and prayer. And I just pray that you would pour out your spirit of peace this Christmas on every one of us. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, Amen.